Hey landlords, are you ready to level up your rental game and simplify your life? Well, get ready to meet your new best friend, KeyCheck. KeyCheck is your all-in-one solution for stress-free property management with tenant-paid screenings, rent payment processing, online lease creation with eSign, and a suite of incredible landlord tools. You'll wonder how you ever lived without it. No more chasing down checks or sifting through piles of applications. KeyCheck helps you organize and manage all things landlording in a simple and efficient way. So if you're tired of the rental chaos and crave seamless, efficient management, head over to KeyCheck.com and sign up today. Make landlord life a breeze with KeyCheck, the game changer for modern property owners. Welcome to Landlord Diaries, where we talk about midterm rentals and the opportunities behind them. We'll share landlord stories, talk about maximizing investment potential, and discuss how to live the very best landlord life. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Furnished Finder, the place for everything midterm rentals. Remember to like and subscribe if you enjoy our content. It's your team on the Landlord Diaries. Kelly Bailey here in the Austin, Texas and surrounding areas with my co-host. Hey, hey, everyone. I'm Katie, a member of the Furnished Finder team and midterm rental landlord. Kelly and I today get to talk to Teresa, who is in Florida, and she has a handful of properties, one of which is right next door to her. So she has got all sorts of tips and tricks up her sleeve, and she is like the ultimate host. She takes the idea of really being a host and showing your travelers what that means to the next level. And we just, we get so much good information from her story. So I encourage you all to listen, take notes. This is one you're going to want to take notes on guys. Um, and as a reminder, this episode and every episode are brought to you by Furnished Finder. So there are more travelers than ever looking for midterm rentals and Furnished Finder is the home for everything midterm rental. So listing your property is only $99 a year. You get unlimited leads and we have endless resources for for landlords on the website. So make sure you check it out um, and enjoy this week's episode. Thanks everyone. Today, we talk with Teresa Barton in Longwood, Florida, which is just a little north of Orlando. Teresa lost her son in 2016 and found home remodeling to be a very therapeutic process leading to improved financial and emotional health. This is Teresa's fourth or fifth year as a Furnish Finder host, and she has many great landlording tips to share with us today. Teresa, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the invite. This is a lot of fun. Yes, uh, I'm excited for our guests to just get to hear all your fun tips. So <laughs> we'll jump into the first question, which is, why don't you start by telling us about your properties, your midterm rental portfolio, and why you cho chose to pursue midterm rentals with your properties? Okay, so we started all together about six years ago. We have this property, which is a single family home split into a three, two and a guest suite under one roof, big, big house. And then I arbitraged a lake property in a city not far from me called Castleberry. So we had three units operating for quite some time when COVID nice. hit and I knew something was going to happen with the short term rental. I made the decision to let the arbitrage property go and started looking for ways that we could be all right financially and get guests um, 
that were not going to be impacted by like vacation travel. They needed to travel for work. So that's how I found Furnish Finder. Excellent. And we already kind of gave everyone an introduction that you have a special story that can encourage others. So why don't you tell us how it was going through such a difficult time in your life and how real estate kind of was impacted as part of that journey? Yeah, I'd like to talk about that because I think looking back, I didn't even know what I was doing. And now that I know what I did, I want people to consider it for them. Uh, We lost our son in in May of 2016, and, and it was beyond traumatic. And the opportunity to purchase this house, which is actually insanely convenient, it is next door to our home, um, came up and we were able to purchase it. And at first, honestly, we weren't exactly sure what we were going to do. But the reason why it was helpful was when you are in deep grief, sleep is unobtainable. You cannot sleep. So it's a lot easier to caulk and paint and drywall mud and fix light fixtures and clean stoves at two o'clock in the morning next door where my whole family is not worried about where I am at two o'clock in the morning than keeping everyone awake in the house. So it became Mm. my absolute grief therapy for a very long time. That's beautiful. I'm so sorry to hear that you had to go through such a painful event that is heartbreaking, but at the same time, so very thankful that you found something that was able to provide you with a little bit of relief. Mm-hmm. And like you said, something you could do safely where your family felt, mm-hmm. you know, that you were doing something purposeful in a safe and close by environment. So um, I think that's, that's a really good way to kind of use those emotions and um, use them to heal yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's no place to put all that energy, all that trauma, all that frustration. And this was the best thing. I mean, there's nothing like breaking tile. (laughs) There is nothing like breaking (laughs) tile, get rid of anger and fury. Does your family come from a history of real estate or construction or anything like that? Or is that just something that kind of piqued your interest and you kind of dove in? We do. My husband and I have been high school sweethearts from Key West since 1979. And every house we ever bought, had a lot of problems on purpose. Um, That way it allowed us to buy bigger houses with nicer land, Mm -hmm. terrible houses as far as um, everything but the bones. So we did that over and over again. And it's actually, for me, drywall and bust and tile is as therapeutic as it gets. I'm sure other people go to therapy. I go to Home Depot. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I think that's an encouragement for a lot of people. And Uh, Katie, unless you've got something more to add as in kind of just a get to know Teresa question, I'm excited to jump into all of these excellent tips that Teresa has in the landlord logistics section. So any last things before we transition? No, let's do it. Okay, let's have some fun, guys. I was shocked by everything Teresa just shared in our intro call and excited to pass those on to you. So first off, most of you know how important it is to Furnish Finder yeah. that we educate both landlords and travelers on how to avoid scams mm-hmm. and travel safe. So Teresa has some fun, helpful tips that she utilizes. Uh, and I think it's five ways that landlords can convince a traveler they are not going to that they're not talking to a scammer. So Teresa, what are those that you use in your area? So I start out with. Um 
the county, this happens to be Seminole County, Florida, and I tell them to uh, look up the property um, by my name and they'll see that I'm the owner. So that's kind of the first piece. Um, the second one is I do have it listed in many other platforms. And if they want to go look at it there, it would be pretty hard to fake it in that many places. Then with some people, I will ask them if they would like me to do a little FaceTime and walk around the yard. Because if I have guests inside, I'm not going to bother them. However, I have found the furnished finders crowd are very different than the short-term rental crowd. And most of them tell me, no, if you want us to show it to somebody, if they want to, especially when it turned the time when we were doing almost all nurses, my sister happens to be a hospice nurse. And I was paranoid about how they were traveling in unsafe environments and not staying in safe places. And I didn't want that. So anytime we got a call from a nurse, I tried very hard to make it work. And so a lot of the furnished finder guests are perfectly happy for me to pop in, um, introduce them just by first name on a little face chat. And then the other person knows. So each layer of that would make someone feel better that there is no scamming. Um, one of the things I do for money is if they're going to pay me on Cash App or Venmo, they only can send me $1 first. I don't want to take any chances that it goes to the wrong account. So they send me $1 and then I reply back. And um, let's see, there was something else. Um, what was the other one, Kelly? There was another. Give the fun fact about Google Earth. Oh, sure. So um, you can look down at Google Earth and you can see um, in our backyard, you can see physical things because Google Earth is changing constantly. It's amazing how often. So I can describe to them. Let's see. Right now there's blue um, chairs and a green umbrella and Google Earth is constantly updating. So it's usually dead accurate. <laughs> I love that. And then the last thing that intrigued me is if you look at Teresa's listing on Furnish Finder, she puts her rental number, uh, but she's not a real estate agent. So why do you choose to embrace that rental number and reg? I think you register it with the county. Is that correct? It is. I do have to correct something. I just did get my realtor's license in December. I don't think I told you that. Congratulations. I'm not, I'm not using it for this, but anyway, so just to correct. Um, so the reason why is I am a proponent of operating short-term and mid-term rentals completely legally. I think the reason why the business is in so much trouble is people playing halfway legal. I won't do that because I, first of all, I don't want the the panic to worry about it down the road. And second, I want to be part of the folks that make communities like short-term and midterm rentals, not hate them. So I do everything by the book. The funny story is I went to a county commission meeting about this and they were bringing up the statistics for our little county and there were three properties properly registered. Two of them were mine. And wow. wow. That's um, it. To be fair, it was very hard. It's it's a gauntlet to figure out how to get through all the county, city, state. And then they add new stuff. Simmel County recently added something. I think it's so they can collect $250 a year per property, which I think is fair. I had to have a certain kind of fire extinguisher and I had to have a landline. That was their new requirement. And that was landline. All, honestly, Interesting. Fairly reasonable. I don't think that's unreasonable to ask. So um, I try to make sure that I'm constantly aware of the changes and no matter what we have, we're dead legal. Also, because quite frankly, if you're not and you have an insurance claim, you are giving your insurance company an opportunity to not pay that claim. If you don't operate legally, they look for any reason not to pay claims. And that's one of them. Yeah, we're going to jump into the insurance talk later. 
Yeah, for all the listeners to remember that every city, every state, every county will have different requirements. And if you don't know them, sometimes it can be really overwhelming to try to navigate the legal talk and language that might be on a city, state, or county website, reach out to a real estate professional in the area. Even if you are not using that person, you know, if you can establish a relationship and let them know that you might use their service in the future, or you were referred to them or whatnot, those people are people of service and they want you to do it right also. So it's, it's, it's something that they more than likely already know. So reach out to them and get the insights. There's so many places. There's building codes, there's fire codes, mm-hmm. there's city regs, county regs. Then there's even jurisdiction. And they're just all so different. They're, they're I mean, so we correct. have properties in, Not we, have, we have properties in four different areas. And they're all different. Yeah. And it is so frustrating because I want to add it as a part of my process and just say, okay, when this happens, I do this. And I I can't do that. It's not. And staying staying current for the changes too. So I pay a lot of attention Mm -hmm. to what's going on with the county commissioners. And when they're talking, whenever I see Airbnb or short-term rental is the conversation, I pick up my ear and I pay attention in case they're trying to change something. A, because I want to have an input on it. And B, because if they change something, I got to play by those new rules. Yep. Yeah. All right. So one of the other aspects, I didn't want to put it in the introduction, but we all know there's a lot of talk right now about as short-term rental regulations increase and midterm rentals gain traction and promotion, then we've got a market that might become oversaturated depending on which market you're in. Hmm. So one of the things I wanted to make sure that we hear often is, you know, why is my property not getting any leads? And a lot of it comes down to your marketing. So that's some of the things we're going to talk about on this episode is ways that Teresa has taken her properties and kind of set herself apart in different aspects. And so I want to jump into one of the biggest ways that is, you know, not always welcomed for hosts is being pet friendly. Mm -hmm. So Teresa is an advocate for hosts uh, having pet friendly properties. And I wanted her to give you the opportunity uh, to explain why that is, Teresa. So first of all, my experience of the whole time I've been using the Furnish Finder was one gal who just got too young of a puppy and she was working too long of a shift. Other than that, every single guest who's brought pets has been phenomenal. For example, I have a lady who came with two big, beautiful golden retrievers. The first thing she did when she walked in, she rented the main house. We're sitting right now in the guest suite, but she rented the main house. She walked in and put sheets on every single one of my upholstered furniture. She said, my dogs aren't supposed to get up on the chairs, but just in case they do, I don't want you having to deal with gold hair. I'm like, dang, you are the bomb. <laughs> and that was my experience. Mm-hmm. Golden shed a lot. Yeah, right. so that's uh-huh. nice. <laughs> and it was over and over and over again that that was my experience. I don't find people traveling with pets, bad travelers. As a matter of fact, I think they're the opposite. I think they're beyond conscientious. They have to plan. It's Florida. You cannot leave a pet in the car for even a minute. So they have to think Think about what hotel they're going to stay at. They have to spend money. They have to, I think they are absolutely fabulous, conscientious guests. That's been my experience. And I think it draws, quite frankly, the people I want, the people I want to enjoy our property. We live next door. 
I want them to enjoy our property and be lovely people. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Furnished Finder, the ultimate platform for hassle-free midterm rentals. Whether you're a seasoned landlord or just getting started, Furnished Finder is the place for you. With Furnished Finder, you can say goodbye to booking fees and hello to direct bookings for 30 day plus days. It's a win-win for everyone involved. So if you're ready to experience the joys of midterm renting and take a load off your landlord shoulders, head over to FurnishedFinder.com today. We make it easy to get started. We're grateful to Furnished Finder for sponsoring this episode and we're sure you'll love what they have in store for you. I will also add that we have found that a lot of landlords that we speak with um, have found that it really opens up the number of people that they can rent to. Um, And that also just by having a decent pet deposit required, it covers a lot of your um, risk for damage, right? And having those clauses in your lease, a lot of times we hear that people don't allow pets because they're afraid of damage. There are ways to protect yourself, right? A good clause in a lease covers you. Pictures of before the property covers you. So there's, there's ways that you can do that in a very, you know, ethical and professional way that are totally doable. Yep. I've been hosting for about two to three years on Furnish Finder and we have five houses and they're all pet friendly. And most, I would say probably 70 to 80% of our guests come with pets and we've given back 100% of the deposit so far and things that we could have charged for, it wasn't for the pets. It was for, (laughs) you know, things going missing or just not having a good inventory, uh, you know, with three bedrooms, two bath, things like that. So I would encourage you for those that are struggling in their market, some of, that's one of the things you can do is analyze, can I be pet friendly? If you're already pet friendly, can I adjust my pet fee or make it a refundable deposit rather than a fee that they're going to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's what we do is we just say, hey, we've got a thousand dollar deposit. I'm not going to charge you any extra for your pet, but just remember it's a thousand dollars. So just make sure and take care of everything. And then we've been able to give that deposit back 100% of the time so far. I just want to add one more section while we're talking about things that you can be uh, adjust. Keep in mind your overall deposit as well. If you've gone years without having to use your deposit, then maybe think about in a in a tough market dropping it from twenty five hundred to a thousand or a thousand to five hundred. Like adjust your adjust your numbers, adjust your pricing, adjust things as needed that are flexible that you haven't even had to tap into uh, in the years that you've been doing it. So that's just and some I tidbits, think, Kelly. With that property to property, because your properties are a lot larger than my midterm rentals. Yep. My midterm rental, the deposit's like 300 bucks. Wow. Right. It's a, exactly. It's a little, it's a condo, right? So know, know your property, know your market and know, are you taking a family? Are you taking a single nurse? Like what are you taking and what's reasonable for them? Because that is a really good way. Right. I have two more little points for pets. If you pets, um, Buy as many Roomba vacuums on Facebook for $25 or $30 because they're for sale all the time. And what's wrong with them is a dead battery, which is $19.95 on Amazon. And when I when the cleaners get when the cleaners get done, I put three Roombas in the house and let it go. 
to see if it can just find a few more little hairs. Doesn't take me any time. It's while I'm checking supplies and then I take them back home and recharge them. And I don't, they're inexpensive because people don't know that they're just batteries pooped out. So that's my little trick to make sure that there's not a hair left in the house. I also like to put tip. googly eyes on the robots and watch them compete. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done. I haven't if, done any, if anyone's wondering what it's like to live in my house. <laughs> That's yeah, a fun it. mom right there. There you go. <laughs> uh, so before we leave the pet conversation, last thing, Teresa, you know, I think you, you allow cats and dogs. So what are some ways that you vet those pet owners for our nervous landlords to make sure you get quality pet owners every time? So first of all, I definitely have a phone conversation with them, one or two or three. And I tell, say, tell me everything about your pet. And then I have a very long explanation of what a good pet is here. And I say things like um, calm, sweet, not aggressive, not scared, not scared of lightning and thunder in Florida, because that's a whole problem here. It's a constant. Mm-hmm. Um, that they won't be scared by the pool man coming by. Now, if they bark two times to say there's somebody here, that's their job and that's fine. But they can't be a barker and keep bothering because we have two families or two folks on one physical property that shares the outside. They don't share anything on the inside, but they share the pool and the yard. So I really have a long discussion with them. And then I, because I am a pet person myself, I offer things like, do you need um, a dog crate? Because I have every size. Um, If you're worried about your cat, has your cat ever sprayed on anything? Has it ever clawed anything? And, you know, the more you start talking to them, I have found them to be real straightforward. Now, I'm sure sometime that'll happen. Not that way. But I just ask a lot of questions. And because I'm a pet owner, I can kind of speak pet. So maybe that's why it works well. Okay, so speaking about pets and all things shared backyard, how do you market that? How do you market a shared backyard where you might have families on both sides that have a pet? Do you make sure the pets get along? What do you what do you do there? So that's why I have a lot of conversations with them. So say there's a nurse in the guest suite and the way the physical layout of the property is, it's very easy for the people in the main house to use the backyard and the guest suite to use the front yard. Now, the front yard is not fenced, mm. but it's kind of a big space. Um, we happen to be 150 yards from an amazing um, rails to trails in Florida called the Wakaiva Rails to Trails. And it's just at the end of our street. And most of our guests that's one of the things that draws them here, I'm pretty sure. Um, and they leash walk their pet there. So what I tell everybody is when you come here, you have to start with everybody on a leash. That's the requirement. They have to start that way. And then if the folks that are in the main house or vice versa, the folks that are in the guest suite, if all the dogs get along, fine, great. And usually because the relationship is almost more intimate is that I'll say, can I share Mm -hmm. your number with the girl coming into the guest suite? Or I'll ask the guest suite girl, can I share your number with the folks in the main house? So you guys can connect and say, Hey, can I let the dogs run out tonight in the backyard? And, and they're just more, we just set this, we set the standard from the very beginning to be kind, cooperative and nice folks to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has really worked. Matter of fact, to tell you how good it works, the current guest I have in the main house and the guest I have coming tomorrow morning to this guest suite are my second year snowbirders, both who happen to have blind chihuahuas. Now we have, a pool. we have a pool and the first time they came, I was out here meeting them and the 
dog tried to walk into the pool three times. I'm like, this is not going to work. So we happened to have some fencing. So we threw a quick fence up around the pool because they're not swimmers. They don't care about the pool at all. So I said, listen, this makes me feel better. But then I'm like, what am I going to do when people come in the main and the guest suite? They come three days later. They have a blind chihuahua. I'm like, you are kidding me. So, and now they like each other so much. This is their second year of coming back and they match their dates almost. And the fence is oh back up. Oh my gosh. Chihuahuas. So it really, I really do believe it's just a lot of engagement and being real frank and telling, like if somebody says, well, my dog can get a little bit aggressive. Listen, that's not a good match for us. You do not want to make plans to stay here and then it failed. We all want it to work. So that's not going to work. That's excellent advice. And I don't even think chihuahuas normally like other dogs. So that's so cool that they're both blind and they both liked each other. How fun. I'm going to go ahead and add keeping that conversation going about if your market is saturated and you want to stand out. She said some key things right now. One, she recognizes that there's a trail close by that is extremely marketable and draws a lot of people to her area. So you can put it in your description, but even better, add pictures. Because how many of us look through pictures and never read the description unless we like the pictures first? So market your pictures in the same way that you're going to advertise those extra amenities in your description as well. And then uh, pool, of course, is always something to market well. And the fact that you're dog friendly, I just love that, you know, it's it's okay to say no, like what you were saying. It's Mm -hmm. okay to make sure it's a good fit, especially in a shared space like that. So that's excellent advice. Right. I think the other thing is to, and to make sure that you have the confidence in your property, the way you furnished it, the way you market it, the way you either bought it or arbitraged it, that if it is not the right fit for a tenant, you it. know that you can say no because you know there will be another one coming, right? Even if it means that you're vacant for a week or two, the midterm is you have to be a little bit more patient. Not everything happens overnight, but there is validity to that, to just knowing and having confidence in your property and waiting for the fit that is the right one. Don't force it. Right. I agree. Okay. So everybody, Teresa has a background in insurance, not necessarily liability and liability. And so I wanted to give her the floor. She has a unique perspective on why insurance is so important and how you can ask the right questions to make sure that your property and your tenants are well covered, especially with features like a pool, etc. So why don't you go ahead and share with us, Teresa, your process? So when I first started short-term rental, this property in particular, which is a shared property, has so much more liability than a one 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 single rental. On top of the fact mm-hmm. that there's a pool, we have children because the house, the big three two house, has a bunk room. It's definitely a family place, and then we have an acre yard welcoming dogs. So the liability is just layers of it. I first insurance I bought, I knew it was not enough because when you're doing the application to any insurance, if they're not asking you the questions that you're afraid they're going to ask, it's not the right policy. You already know that. They asked bunk beds, trampolines, pools, bicycles, um, um, joint property. 
They ask the very questions that make me know they understand all the risks that I need to be protected against, as well as my guests. Um, that's another comment about the licensure. They ask, are you fully in compliance with all of your county, city, state regs? Yep. And here's how. So that's another reason why it matters because the insurance company wants to know that you're playing by the rules for them to insure you. Um, so I went through multiple companies over that first three or four years. And then I found a company called Proper. And I'm not, I'm not advertising for them. I'm just telling you that's who I finally found. It's okay that, if you are. Yeah, that actually asked me the right questions. Now, they are expensive. And in Florida, it's even more complicated because if you change insurance during hurricane season, which is about five months now, you can't get an, I can't, the property owner can't get an active insurance coverage of any damage from a hurricane until there's no storms swirling out in the Atlantic or the Pacific or wherever they're planning on coming up from Africa. So it's a timing problem. So in Florida, you gotta be really careful with that. So I found proper really answered all my questions like the pool, like the fact that I don't keep a fence around the pool. There's a fence around the property, which is the requirement by the county, but there's no fence around the pool. And the reason why is you're more at risk if you put something that's supposed to protect them and that thing wasn't maintained, meaning if the guests in the main house have two young teenage boys and they leave the gate open to the pool fence and then the guest in the other side, their family member goes in the pool because the gate wasn't closed and drowns. If you want to look at that, pull up any hotel. That's why they're so obsessed about those gates closing because the hotel can't control what the guests do. Well, I'm kind of in those shoes. So when I found out from the insurance company that if I had no fence around the pool, that takes away the impression of security, meaning the fence is around the yard. Pool's not fenced. And I have them sign a waiver, specifically every guest before they get here for two things, house rules and the waiver about liability. And I'm and I even funny, sort of in my uh, interview with them, I asked them, is anybody coming who can't swim? And if they say yes, I said, okay, I'm going to send you three companies that provide swim teaching classes. Either they'll come here to my pool or you can go to the Y because I want to make sure that they know I want you to be protected. I want you to know how to swim and your family know how to swim and you to be safe, but it's an open pool. And that is an insurance issue that is a problem because if you just buy renter's insurance, you kind of think you're covered. You're just not because renter's insurance, as a general rule, is long-term tenants, very different liability. So that was what I went through. It took me a long time to get it, and I spend a lot of money on it, and I sleep well because of it. I'm going to add to that because one of our properties is in Florida, and we just got it this past June, so we were hit with quite the first year. Ugh. Um, with Hurricane Ian, um, <laughs> right in Cape Coral. So we got hit real good. Um, but I, I always hear people talking about your core team, right? You want your cleaners, you want your property management, you want your realtor, very, you want your lender, right? Very few people talk about your insurance agent or broker or company. And of my entire experience in Florida thus far, and Kelly and I are going to do episodes at some point talking about our experiences as, as landlords, but so I'll keep it quick here. But um, one of my biggest lessons was it was really, really great to be able to call up in the middle of the hurricane, my agent right. who knew my policy, my house, 
the local, you know, all the laws with everything. And he was able to tell me, you know, you're covered here. You're covered here. We need to worry about this. We don't need to worry about this. I could talk directly to him and he was so knowledgeable about that area and what I had to, and you're right. Like Florida has all these weird quirks that me as a Colorado and I'm like, that is crazy, but whatever you say. Right. Right. So just having that person on your team, like, I'm sorry. I, I, he is like the top. If you, especially if you're in an area like Florida that does have a lot more natural disasters. Now, some of our other properties are are in areas where it's a lot less risky as far as the natural disaster area. Right. So I feel like we, you know, we just go through a company, but you still, you're right. You want to make sure that they ask all of those questions. And y'all touched on an important part of, especially in Florida, and, and you're saying, you know, one, everyone's getting hit at the same time, so that might take time. And then two, you're saying they won't cover it until basically hurricane season's over. So you want to make sure that loss of income is covered as well so that you're still making money on the property, Mm -hmm. even though it's not available for rent during that time period. So that's a good question to make sure and ask as well. Yeah, that was the final straw that made me willing to pay the more premium because not any other insurance company that I spoke to about short-term rental provided much in the way of lost income. They kind of dabbled in it. Mm -hmm. They did not actually cover it. And And if I had lost, let's say a tree fell in the center of this big long ranch house, right in the center, messed up both units. In the middle of Florida, hurricane with everybody else having it, if I could get that thing up and running in nine months, that'd be a miracle miracle. So that was why I'm willing mm-hmm. to pay the extra per, per year of premium, because if it happens, we will be shut down financially for a very long time, no matter what we do. Right. Yeah. So the last thing I want to add to this section is y'all may not know uh, as furnished finder landlords, if you use the key check business tools that for, that furnished finder recommends, and is our sister company, and you go through the payment process to set up payments for your tenants and have it emailed to them, just, you know, reminders of, hey, it's time to pay. Hey, it's time to pay. It's it's a nice payment system, but it also encourages landlords and tenants to provide insurance as well. So it reminds the landlord of, hey, do you want to ask your renters for insurance? And the process reminds tenants, hey, insurance is important. Here's someone that you could use. We're not recommending any specific company, but here's a company you could use so that it gets that renter thinking about the importance of having that insurance in place. Now, uh, I know that some things that can be a little frustrating about the renter insurance process would be things like, well, what keeps them from canceling a month after they sign up? Or how do I, you know, ask them for verification without sounding like I'm, you know, being too overbearing. So one thing that you can do to set yourself apart is renter's insurance is actually really pretty cheap, uh, depending on what your needs are. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the insurance for the home. I'm referring to the insurance for your travelers. Since they're not coming with much, typically, uh, I think our coverage is like 100000 in property liability. And then 
five no five thousand in property liability and then a hundred thousand in risk. You know, if something happens, a, a a dog their dog bites a neighbor or something like that. So we're talking about those ways that you can set yourself apart in your market. And that's something that you could do. You could say, Hey, I'm a type of landlord that I go above and beyond. I include all the utilities, take care of your lawn care. You know, I include renter's insurance so that all you have to do is show up, enjoy the town and make sure and take care of the home. Well, you know, so just an idea for everyone out there. I have a question, Kelly. Do you know if that the renter's policy covers if they lose the place to stay? So the tree, you know, they stayed with, they're gonna stay with me for 90 days, tree falls in, and they need to go someplace else. Do you know if it covers that? I haven't asked that question. I do not. I, you know, I'm pretty trusting. So we've got an insurance agent and we just trust whatever he says is best. I like your style of asking questions. I haven't done that in the past, but so far, you know, he seems very reliable and sets us up uh, with, you know, the, the best insurance that we need for what we're telling him we're doing. So yeah, that's a good question. We should, we should ask that. My mind is we lost power for five days, which is pretty unusual for, we're in central Florida. We're not down down in South Florida. So we don't typically lose it for very often. Mm-hmm. And the guests I had were wonderful and they managed. Um, but I thought about that, that if they had had renter's insurance, would that then pay for them to get a place somewhere else when we have no power? We can't make the power come on. We have no way. So I guess that's something that I'll check out because I don't actually know. Now These are just all the questions that Florida brings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And other so states. It's not just Florida. Florida. And I'm telling you, man, the things that I have learned from having the rental in Florida for seven months now, like are things I would never have imagined. Florida is just this special little place. (laughs) Texas is up on the list as well. We, of course, have Tornado Alley in the middle of of our country. So it's a lot. It's definitely a lot of states. But this has been a fun topic. So now you've got a list of of questions that you can ask your insurance agent Mm -hmm. and say, hey, what do you what can you tell me about my insurance coverage coverage for this? So that's so fun. Let's move on to our last part of what we call landlord logistics, which is some fun facts, five decor and home functionality tips that Teresa has for us today. And uh, Teresa, don't worry, I'll prompt you through them so that you don't have to remember what they were from our intro call. But one of them is, it's, uh, it's staggering and encouraging how many remote workers we have now. You know, I think it's somewhere around 25% of the of the working population uh, is now involved in working from home so they can travel while they work. And one of the things that Teresa does to set herself apart, not being necessarily tech savvy, is communicating about high-speed internet well, and you want to give them your tip on what you do to show them how good the internet is? Um, gosh, was it the speed test? What did I talk about? Now I have to remember. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because I, the other reason why I like remote workers, and now because remote workers can also have um, online school kids. So, they're not held down to what they used to be held down to. So they can be a husband and wife who are both remote workers and three kids who are all in remote schools, which means they've got to have really good Wi-Fi. And I tell them it's important. Mm-hmm. 
have what you need because one's working in one side of the house and others working on the other side. And there's two kids in bedrooms on there, all on their equipment. So um, we we show them how to do the speed test, and I, I walk around and show them the speed test so they know that the Wi-Fi here is wicked fast. And I always tell everybody if it ever goes slow for any reason, let me know because it should not. I pay a little extra; it's not even that much for the highest one I can get, and. I want that to be a draw because if you're looking, if you're a guest and you say, well, I really want to go travel with my son or my wife or my sister or whatever, but we both need to work remotely, then I want to make sure that that's not a barrier to them coming to our place. Exactly. So you can just take a screenshot is what, uh, is what Teresa was saying she does. She takes a screenshot of the speedtest.net and sends it over to interested parties. Or you could even go one step further if you know that it's excellent in internet uh, that you're providing, go ahead and take that screenshot and, and put it on your listing. So like what, like what we've been saying, pictures are worth a thousand words. And if they see, wow, that's really good internet, that might move your property up over another person's property. That's a great idea. I will add to that. Yeah. And I'll add to that. And I hope I'm not spilling the beans on something you're going to say later, Teresa, but adding a <laughs> workstation. Oh. Um, one of our rentals is even a little studio apartment. There's not even a bedroom. It's just a studio. Mm-hmm. And we still put a little tiny desk mm-hmm. and a little tiny desk chair and a little tiny desk lamp because everyone needs a little space where they can get in the zone and focus and do what they need to do. Even if they are a nurse or, yeah. you know, even if they're not working on the computer all day, you need a space. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Excellent. And if for tiny spaces that you don't think you have room for a desk, I've stayed at Airbnbs where it's just one of those pop-up desks. You know, you just, yeah. there's a, there's a bar stool type chair that pushes in nice and tight and then it just pops up and you can you, also. I want to show you how we handled ours. So. Okay. Can you still see me? Let's see. So it's that dark. is a corner desk. Can you see that? I see it. Yes. Okay. It just fit perfect in that corner and we're in a guest suite. So there's no bedroom here and I just found it and it fit perfect. And it's been a, just a perfect little simple desk, but it fit the mm-hmm. spot because it had to have the right area that wouldn't take up too much room for the folks to have space that they need, but they have a desk all the time. Exactly. Yep. Love it. So these are such great tips. How about tips for bed bug prevention? Okay. So Again, I'll bring up my little sister. My sister's a nurse. She's worked in every possible field in nursing, not afraid of any infection, not afraid of broken bones, amputations. None of that scares her. Tell her there's a bed bug and she'll run like a scalded dog. It's very funny. But anyway. Won't so we all. Blame her. Oh, yeah. So, okay. First thing is I really believe that you're going to get a bed bug sometime in your, sometime in your experience. I, uh-uh, had I don't want one. I had it happen to me at the strangest time of my life. I was sitting in a bank one day at the chair talking to the banker and I'm watching this bug and it's Florida. So we're bug city. I'm watching a bug. Walk. I was going to say, this seems like a Florida issue. <laughs> yeah. I'm, watching, I'm watching a bug walk across his desk. And I went, I never really seen one. I mean, I've seen pictures, but I went, I think that's a bed bug. So I took it with a napkin and squished it and put it in my purse. Cause I wanted to, first of all, know was I really right about it? But then I, <laughs> But more than that, I'm like, okay, so no matter how good your guests are or you are or your cleaners are, 
I was in a bank, sitting in a bank chair. He could have jumped on my leg or whatever. So um, what I use is they are basically little um, plastic light things. They're called flea traps. And they have a little tiny five watt bulb and a sticky pad. And then there's a little top that sits on top of it. And you plug it in. The reason why it works really well is it's a very gentle nightlight. So I put it under the very center of the bed. So they have five watts. It's barely visual. It's a barely, but it's warm enough bulbs. And you have to use, you can't use the new LEDs. You got to use the hot bulbs because their bugs are drawn to the heat. And then it's a sticky. So every time the cleaners come, they pull it out and look, is there a cockroach in there? Is there a spider? Is there a flea? Is there a bed bug? <laughs> we get every, every single time. And if there's a bug there, they're going to be in there. And if I see a bed bug, holy mackerel, I'm going to go bananas and tear the place apart. I've never had one, not in either property. And I keep one of those lights under every bed. Now, some guests do ask me if they can turn off the light because they like a pitch black room. And I'm like, okay, you're okay. But other than that, it's been wonderful. And they're very inexpensive. They're, I don't know, six of them for Amazon are like 20 bucks. Then you get the little sticky pads and you change them out. I find it a big relief to me. Florida is a buggy place. And no matter mm -hmm. what we will have ants in this, all this, no matter what we do, we will have ants. So the ants walk across, they get stuck on the sticky pad. I don't really love chemicals because I've got children and dogs in our houses. I don't really want to use chemicals if I don't have to. So this way I don't have to. And then you also take that next step and do total encasements uh, oh, absolutely. for your, for your uh, mattresses and guys for your box springs. Don't forget about your box springs too. So, and Teresa your has an excellent every pillow. Yep. Mm -hmm. Teresa has actually tested and approved one of those encasements because that's what I wonder. It's like it says that it's waterproof. Is it really waterproof? Well, Teresa has tested that, and it it is. So you want to tell them your story about that? By accident, actually, it was very recent. Um, so there was a family here, and they had two toddlers in the main house, and um, you know, toddlers often have bathroom issues in the bed and that's just a reality it's okay well they had had a lot of issues apparently because i took off the top and i'm it's yellow i mean that bed bug protector is yellow and i'm like i just bought a brand new dream cloud king mattress mattress oh my god it's got to be ruined take it off nothing not a drop not a cent nothing and then i spent the next now i keep extras of everything and on many beds where i think there can be children sleeping i put double because yeah they're 60 bucks got it i got their 60 bucks i put two one this way one that way so that that way Wait, there is no the, way you put two encasements or you put one encasement and then a cover on top two encasements plus the mattress pack. you do i do because okay. is first of all if i'm in a hurry for a turnover i can take one off get and then put the bed back together but the other reason is if a kid pees in a bed it's just a reality of children. I've had children, they pee in bed plenty. So I just want to yep. make it easy for everybody. I also put in the closet for, fam for the family spaces, I put um, big kid pee pads so they can put them underneath their kid if they want to. That's just their own choice. But um, so I've used double. So it's a lot of money for an initial investment. But um, and I don't buy the cheap ones. Nope, not at all, because I want to protect my mattresses. So that's mm -hmm. what I do. Mm -hmm. And I sent the mattresses are one of the most expensive furnishings you get too, because no one wants to sleep on a crappy mattress. So if you're going to succeed, you have to invest in a decent mattress and they're not, they're not cheap and they're a big investment and you want it to last. Right. I have right. to put my insert about this conversation and it's been a long time since we've talked about it on this show, but 
just because depending on what city you're in, especially for larger cities and what your city regulations are. So in my area, Goodwill won't won't take mattresses. Mm -hmm. So there are constantly Mm. mattresses, high quality mattresses on Facebook uh, marketplace mm-hmm. or wherever mm-hmm. you go to to look for things for sale. I go to Facebook Marketplace or Nextdoor, yeah. and so guys, you can get very high quality mattresses, basically brand new, no stains whatsoever. For I I I'd never spent over a hundred bucks, and a lot of times they're free because they don't want to have to figure out how to get rid of that mattress or pay someone to come pick it up especially those mattresses that are still in really good condition don't have any stains and they just decided you know what I'm I want to upgrade to something different which I don't know about y'all but my parents do that all the time they're like nope trying this one now purple what's that's the new bed the purple we're gonna go to the purple oh now it's Tipperpedic. I'm going to Tipperpedic. people do that all the time so now I want to put a disclosure there uh-huh. for you on your behalf because you are the type of person that does your homework yes and you're gonna go see this you're I know you well enough to know that you're gonna go see this mattress and if it has any type of a stain oh, yeah. or a smell oh, yeah. or a look you're you're gonna be mm, hard nope. pass. so that's yep. the asterisk well, right, with example, the, we're not telling you to go find a, a mattress on the side of the road. No. <laughs> in a reliable so, home, in a reliable neighborhood. Yes. And you, I mean, we're going to circle back to that sketchy conversation, bed bugs. Bed bugs, you can see them. So it's like you're you're looking at the mattress intently, et cetera. But uh, for your cleaners and to, to kind of protect that deposit, another tip uh, about for the bed bugs is I had uh, one of my cleaners tell me, all, you, you want to check the head of the mattress. So mm-hmm. undo that encasement, kind of take a peek in there. If you see any little dark blood ah. type spots... That's what you guys, that's how I'm going to puke. <laughs> hey, these are real conversations <laughs> right. we have to they, have. These Katie. are good conversations, but listen, this is all the bugs I can handle. I'm moving us along. Okay. Got no it. more bugs. Got it. No more bugs. <laughs> how about keeping your linens bright because no one wants dingy sheets. So what I do, first of all, is I stay away from white sheets. I know it's the thing that everybody loves. I don't love them at all. Um, one is because I like my places to have lots of color. And I think white sheets are boring. Now, there's a perception that people say, well, if the sheets are white, people believe they're really clean. Maybe. But I'll tell you what makes people believe sheets are clean is how they smell. The minute you get into a bed, how sheets smell is what makes you feel that they're clean. So I tend to buy most of my sheets. I I often get them at Costco's, the Costco ones. And then I sometimes, well, Florida's kind of unique because we have endless estate sales because everyone elderly is moving out of big homes. So we have- (laughs) Everyone moves to Florida to die. Well, you know, it's, it's, they call it God's waiting room. But anyway, so um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I tend to buy really high quality linen sheets that have a lot of like body to them. Um, and I just stay away from white. I've never, I've never felt that. And I've never had anybody tell me they didn't like the white sheets. Um, because my people are long term guests, I leave them two or three full sets, one that's on the bed and then two in the closet. And if there's one that they like better than the other, they can choose to, when they change out their sheets, they can put whichever one they like the best. One is kind of more like 
um, the silky kind. And then one's a little bit more of like a linen feel and then whatever they like. But I, I find for my group that the aggravation of trying to keep them white is a lot of work. So for example, when the urine was on the um, bed bug bag, the uh, cover, it took me a long time to get the stains out between, you know, I don't know if you guys use it all, but baking soda, white vinegar, automatic dishwasher detergent. Um, there's about 40 things you can use to get something white. Just don't dry it, wash it. If it's yellow, wash mm -hmm. it again. Don't ever let it get dry. Just keep washing it and whatever next thing you want to try. Dawn is a miracle. Just keep, and eventually I got every, and I, I sent Kelly the pictures to show her how bad it was. And they're white, completely white, but it, I probably, probably awesome. washed it six times. That's good. Well, you took care of it. That's great. So yeah. uh, we have some really great things to talk about in the Furnish Finder and Key Check Favorites section. So I want you to answer this last question uh, in our home and uh, home tips, but I need it to be a little quick so we can dive into that Furnish Finder section. So okay. you noted, and I think this is important, that you choose durable furniture that shows your style so that you attract a certain type of traveler as well. So tell us about that. So the main house is basically farmhouse feel, except not new age industrial farmhouse feel, farmhouse feel. Um, decorations are so easy to come by. Incredibly inexpensive, well-made furniture that is going for sale at Facebook, uh, marketplace, uh, next door, um, everywhere. And I'm talking about furniture that I've had here for the entire time and not one broken leg, not one cracked piece. I'm not a fan of Ikea. I'm not a fan of the furniture that falls apart a year later. I don't want to deal with that. So I realized after a while that the decorations themselves actually draw the personalities you're looking for. If you do a lot of industrial, really white and gray and uh, European look, they may not be the country family that I want. So uh, my decorations are pretty country and they, uh, and they're often antiques that I got for $10 for an amazing dresser that you can't break it if you jump on it because <laughs> they, were, they were built 40 years ago. So that, was kind of accidental and it's turned out to be a very good decision that that's also the draw of who wants to stay in a place that has chickens all over for decoration. That's my people. Yep. So it sounds that's like cool. Kelly and I are taking a massive road trip to Florida, go, to, like with a U-Haul to do Hunt. some estate sale shopping. Come on. February is the month. Because... I got plenty right here. <laughs> yeah. February, February the is the month. Yeah, February is nice and cool, which we don't normally have. So interesting. All right. All right. So we're going to move on to Furnish Finder favorites, but we always put the link to a the landlord's profile that we are interviewing in the show notes on uh, on YouTube. And I've started adding them on the audio version as well. So go to the show notes and I want you to go look at Teresa's fence. She has taken tapestries and made a very cool fence with a bunch of famous people's faces on it. I'm going to leave it at that. We're not going to talk about it. Just go pull up her, pull up her listing so you can see it. All right. Furnish finder and key check favorites. So Teresa 
has had a unique journey in marketing her property. She's been with us on Furnish Finder for four to five years, but she started somewhere else and now is loving Furnish Finder. And Mm -hmm. she also has mainly two places that she she advertises, Furnish Finder and one other. So I'm going to let her just kind of tell you her marketing story from the beginning to the end, not too long, just, uh, just a little bit of her journey there. So when the thing started looking rough COVID, I was knowing that something was going to happen. I didn't know what. So I started looking for, I knew there was something called corporate housing, but I didn't know exactly how that worked. And I knew there was some other things. And then I realized there's something called, there's different labels, but it's either called ALE, which is alternative living environment or loss of use. And in Florida, we are the, we are the queen of that issue. So if someone in my neighborhood was to have a, tree fall in their house. They're not going to be able to live in that house for a very long time. Not a couple of weeks, not a couple of months, many months. Their insurance company hires kind of like uh, almost like headhunters to find the property. They usually find me through furniture finders and they call me all the time. They say, I got a family of four, a family of seven. And especially because I have a big property with a pool, dog friendly and kid friendly. We are... Mm-hmm really that's often and it's great because the contract is typically actually with the insurance company state farm or whoever and it's a kind of a combination lease between the guests being in the house but state farm paying us and it's probably the highest rate it's real close to short-term rental rate it's a very high rate because think about it that state farm would have to pay four hotel rooms for that family per night And that's miserable for everybody. So Mm -hmm. the rate is wonderful and they are phenomenal guests because they they're in my neighborhood. So they don't have to go. Kids don't have to take a different bus or go far away to a different school. So I am now regularly send out, uh, there's five or six vendors that I shared with Kelly. They're different, um, headhunters for properties that they're looking for your property in your city because they're trying to fill the need for an insurance company um, claim of someone who needs to go move out. The other groups are uh, under construction and closing delays. So that's the other thing. So I reach out to realtors often when real close to my house, I basically draw a two mouse circle and I send old fashioned faxes with basically the picture of my beautiful peacock because it gets everyone's attention. And then the other house, a picture of some chickens because it gets their attention. And then I just say temporary housing for your people who can't close or the closing got delayed or the construction got delayed. Those have been a big part of my success. And it's very much referral based because once you make one of those headhunters happy one time, your name and your property gets put to the top of their pile. And if they've got somebody in that city that needs your place, they're calling you first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's and, like, that's the two spots that she advertises, mainly Furnish Finder. And then because of Furnish Finder's tenant leads and direct messaging and quick reminder, Furnish Finder is a lead generation platform, not a booking platform. So you can take those leads that come in under your tenant leads, matched and unmatched housing, and you can build your business with that as well. So it is totally fine just to let the renters come to you and reach out to those tenant leads as they happen. But if you want to take it to the next level, then take those Furnish Finder tenant leads, connect with them, whether it's a good fit for your property then or not, and then start that relationship. And all of that is building your book of business from those Furnish Finder leads. And the unmatched 
the, don't ignore the unmatched leads. I can't tell you how many times it'll say they needed eight bedrooms. I'm like, eight bedrooms. Wow. They just clicked the wrong number and they didn't realize it. Or it will say um, that they their their budget needs to be $500 a month. They just clicked the wrong thing. So I contact every single lead, matched or unmatched. And I say, is there anything I could do that will make you, that will, is our property completely not workable for you? Or might it be probably a third or more just clicked the wrong thing. And they didn't, they didn't know what they did. They didn't even realize that they clicked eight bedrooms. So um, I contact every one of them. I also do it because it's an opportunity for me to send them my links to both my properties. And I say, just keep them. Next time you come to Florida, you know how to find me. It's just easy marketing. It's easy. There's not a lot of work to it. It takes me two minutes and plenty of times um unmatched leads became guests and just an additional reminder to everyone that fits in really well here just like kelly said furnish finder is a marketplace it is a it's a connection place but it does not happen if you are not active on it this is not airbnb or vrbo where you put your site up I'm sorry, your property up and you wait for your inbox to ding with you've been booked, you've been booked, you've been booked. If you sit back and wait, you will be highly disappointed because this is a spot where you are meant to go communicate with tenants, find the right tenants for you, and then you get to move forward. Um, and that's what key check is for, right? But it is a place for activity and communication. And part of the reason for that is because these people are not staying at your house or your property for two or three days. Like they might with a short-term rental where it's a volume game, they're going to be at, at your property for 30 days or more. So you want to make sure that it is a fit, um, on all the levels that are important to you. So that's why it's really important that we make those initial connections for you, provide kind of those lines of communication and then you decide who is the right fit for you and, and move forward. So get on there. Yeah. Get on there. As a, a college professor once told me, he goes, the, the people who get far in business aren't sitting and waiting for the mail to come. They are out there creating the connections. And as a comment to that, and give them a way out, if, a, a gracious way out if it's not a good fit. For example, I don't allow any smoking on my property. None, not weed, not cigarette, not tobacco, not vape, none, not inside, not outside, period, end of story, non-negotiable. So I always say to them, if there's anybody in your group, in your family, in your visitors who will need to smoke, this will not be a good place for you. So please don't rent it. I'm not blaming them. I'm not telling them anything. It's just, here's my rules that I don't bend and I don't bend on them. And even though there's an outside pool area, people say, oh, we can smoke around the outside. No, you can't. Absolutely not. Because I got little kids out there and I'm not going to be breathing smoke. Sorry, not negotiable. So that's a decision mm -hmm. I made. And I'm, and because I always tell them up front, it gives them a way to say, oh, okay, well, thanks. It's not going to work for us. Fine. I'm not, it's no accusation. It's no anything. It's just not going to work for us. And that's a great transition. So I've got two comments and then my final question for this episode. The, you know, Teresa's bringing up a great point. There's some of those when, if you're in a tough market and you're having a hard time getting booked, those are the things you got to look at. Do I really need to be so hardcore about the smoking policy? Right. You know, what if I changed it to smoking allowed per, you know, per landlord approval? And you talk to them, you say, hey, 
It's not okay to smoke with the door open, but if you're going outside and you're in the backyard and it works for your property setup, these are all the things you gotta look at, guys, to figure out Mm -hmm. what can I change to make my property more attractive to a variety of audiences. And that's that's one. So um, last last piece of advice, guys, reminder, it's 99 bucks to add your property to Furnish Finder. So a what year. I do, yeah, per, per year, year. thank you. Year. 99 per year, it's so yeah. cheap. But what I do is I don't wait for it to be fully furnished and beautiful. I add it whenever I secure the sale. So when we're going through the purchasing process, sometimes I might even add it before we're clo- we've closed and I am just confident that it's gonna close because if something happens, you don't clock close on the property is a hundred bucks really going to matter? No, not in the terms of a real estate sale. So there's been times where I've added my property to Furnish Finder before I've even closed on the property. And I have someone moving in almost immediately after closing because I've been communicating mm-hmm. the whole time. So that's, that's a, I had tips. a signed lease before a, we, I had a signed yeah. lease before we closed on the last property, which I do not recommend. That no, yeah, don't smart. do that. <laughs> I was very on edge. I'm glad it worked. Thank God it worked. Knock on wood. I'm never going to do that again. But okay. So my last question, I, I, I wanted everything perfect, perfect before I put it up. And when you said that, that helps me understand. Nope. Didn't need to do that, but I'm glad you said that. That's a great tip. Good, good, good. Uh, So the last question that I have for this episode is continuing that theme you can set yourself apart as a landlord by just asking for those reviews. If you scroll through Furnish Finder, it actually shocks me how many professional business owners utilizing furniture, Furnish Finder for corporate housing or have multiple properties and they don't care about they don't care about their reviews. They just they just keep going. And guys, it 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 can set you apart in those moments that you need that extra push for your property and that extra level of security and someone to feel like, okay, I have that relationship. This is a trustworthy landlord. So Teresa, my final question, how do you secure those five-star reviews every time? Because you've got them. Um, Two ways. One is when they come, I tell them right off the bat, look, you guys need good reviews from me and I need good reviews from you because if you need to rent somebody else's property, they want to look at you, make sure you're a good tenant. So we need to not let ourselves forget to do this. So typically I set a reminder a month before they're leaving, roughly four weeks before they're leaving. And I say, hey, if you'll do mine first, it's easier for me to do yours second because for some reason I have trouble doing theirs before mine. Maybe just me not understanding furnished finders, but I've tried sometimes before and I kind of struggle with it. So I just say, I have trouble with it. If you can do mine first. And by then they've been with me for two months. They're very happy. They're not. Now I did have a couple mm-hmm. of people say, well, we don't like to do that until you give, send us back our deposit. I'm like, oh, okay. Yep. I, I didn't think about that, but okay, that's fair. Um, and then I kind of pester them. And I have their phone number. So I text them. I say, hey, have you had any chance to do the review on Furnish Finders? I need to review you because you guys are going to need to rent again. And if you'll put my your mine in, I can put mine right behind it. And 
the vast majority of them will do it. I also do an old fashioned guest book in, in the, um, inside the units. And that kind of helps because at some point when they're sitting around, they're reading the guest book and they see the review book people are writing. They'll kind of keys them off to do it. But I, I kind of pestered them and I have pestered people even a couple months after they left say, Oh God, I realized I never got a review. I never gave you a review. That's terrible. I really need to do my job. So can you do a review for me? And I'll do it right now. Works most of the time. Good, because mm-hmm. that's sales. Sales requires follow-up. We're in the business mm-hmm. of marketing, hospitality, and sales uh, as landlords. Yep, yep. Katie, anything, any final questions? No, this has been such a good talk. I love it when we get to kind of talk about such a wide variety of things and topics and tricks and it's good. And it's all good stuff, all good stuff. It's fun that even having done this as long as I have, I learned like multiple things today that I haven't done, which is phenomenal because now I'll do them, you know. Nicole. I will say that being supportive to the guests is the valuable. If they've got pets, I ask them, do you need a pet sitter? Here's five pet sitters I know. If they're coming into town as a nurse and I'll say, okay, are you working the night shift? Because if you are, I'll put the um, I'll put the light blocking curtains up and I'll have my lawn man come at 3 p.m., not 9 a.m. I asked some things about them personally. One reason is because I get to know who they really are. This is before we close a deal. Then I get a little bit more comfortable and they get comfortable with me. And then also things like if they ever need help, I tell them. Now we live next door. Obviously that's unique. I tell them if something happens, call 911, call my cell phone next, whatever it is, anything. I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning. Obviously I live next door and that's a little bit unique, but still I want them to feel comfortable. And especially it's a young nurse. Her mama calls me and they want to rent the place. And she's terrified about her daughter traveling for the first time. And I'm like, listen, she just basically rented a family. We're right here and we will help her. We will, if your car breaks down, if she needs somebody to fix a tire or something, we'll do anything we can. And I know that's not a normal landlord job. And I'm not saying we do that all the time, but we are supportive to the people who are guests. And that has been, I'm sure it's our secret sauce. I'm sure. Well, I love and- it. And to remind people that you can do that on all sorts of different levels. Yeah. Right. Um, If you have 15 properties, you can't do that. And that's reasonable. (laughs) But you sure can leave a $5 gift card to the local coffee shop with a cute little mug and a handwritten welcome note on the counter. And you can have a text, even if it's the same text that you have, have gotten ready that you sent to the same tenant Every time letting them know that they're in good hands, that you're here if they have any issues, yeah. you, you can show your hospitality in a large range of ways. The important thing is that you show it. Right. I have beautiful little cards printed with this peacock behind me, which by the way, you know what this peacock is? It's a shower curtain. <laughs> shower curtain um i had little index little uh postcards printed and after every guest leaves sometime a month or so later i tell them thank you so much for coming share this card with somebody that you think might want to come to florida and visit it's just a beautiful visual and it's not forgettable Mm -hmm. and they're the cheap the cards are cheap 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 and i just send them out i also give them to people when i'm in like other my other profession meetings and stuff and i'll say hey if you ever need a place in longwood it's it's just sales and it's constant. And if you do it all the time, you really can't not succeed. But you do have to understand it is not just, you know, washing one time. It's wash and repeat. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've talked about so many great tips today. I hope y'all have enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Teresa, for being with us. If you want to connect with Teresa, reminder, you can go to our this episode on YouTube and leave Teresa a comment. And anytime y'all comment and ask a question to the guest, I always make sure that they know, even if it's five months from now, I make sure that they know they have a new question on the episode. You can also go to the show notes on YouTube to see the link to her profile on Furnish Finder and connect with her by message or phone that way. So we really appreciate you being here. We hope y'all took a lot of great takeaways from the episode today. If you're enjoying it, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Subscribe on wherever you get your typical podcasts. We appreciate y'all and look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.